This week on Gym Ops Radio, the guys talk all things delegation. They will walk you, the gym owner, through a four-step journey of methodological delegation. They'll talk about what financial stage you reach before unloading certain tasks, how to begin the transition of each well ahead of time, and how you can position your team members for growth, project ownership, and long-term cultural and company success. Welcome to episode 49. This is Gym Ops Radio. Hey guys, welcome back to Gym Ops Radio. This is episode 49. My name is Brian Pritz and I'm here with Dave Thomas. We're the owners of Performance 360 in San Diego. And today we are going to start talking about uh, delegating. So how to start delegating in your gym, uh, where to start and how to afford it. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting conversation. We're also episode number two uh, remote where we're not in the same room. Um, I have these headphones on that you gave me that they are like the biggest sets of earmuffs <laughs> one could imagine. It's like Will Ferrell when he can't control the volume of his voice. I, I, I honestly have no idea how loud I'm talking right now. Cause it's perfect. Because the, the headphones cover so much of my ear. <laughs> so uh, yeah, apologies if I am screaming at any point. I'm not meaning to. No, you sound, you're coming through perfectly on my end. So it's funny because I, on the other hand, have like the smallest headset. Um, this was a headset that we used way back when, when we first started the podcast and we actually bought just like some random ones that have turned out to be some of the best headphones at every stage of the podcast. So. I'm also, I'm also missing my coveted mute button. Uh-oh. Uh, as, as I've learned over the past five years of doing this podcast, it turns out I breathe like a 500 pound person. So, uh, I'm really hoping my, uh, non-talking inhale exhale just doesn't come screaming through with this fancy new headset so uh yeah anyway so we are talking delegation today i think it's an important episode and uh you know as as we talked a little bit off air uh i think it's important to understand that every gym is going to be set up a little bit differently uh we are fortunate enough to have two partners uh you and i obviously and that creates a lot of benefits it also creates a lot of challenges um, but as, as it pertains to delegation, you know, understand that the perspective of our conversation today is we have had the luxury of two people helping out with kind of two compartments of the business. And I know a lot of our listeners are gym owners who are operating in some sort of like sole proprietorship where they're one man or one woman show. And so they kind of have to oversee everything. So even though we're going to be talking about it from our perspective, I think it will be kind of easy to figure out you know, what is applicable to you specifically and maybe what, what isn't. So um, just a little bit of uh, kind of a, a precursor to that aspect of the show. Yeah, you know, you brought up a good point, like sole proprietor or LLC, um, you know, topic for a different uh, episode, but uh, there's a lot of ways that you can structure your business. I definitely don't recommend uh, being a sole proprietor if you can. So if you are uh, one of those people, gym owners, that runs a sole proprietorship, um, I would definitely seek advice from a tax professional to see how that you can make more money from uh, the revenue that you're generating. So just a side note, not on topic at all. So as we talk about kind of ways to delegate and things that 
you know, we'll be um, recommending. We just want to set a little bit of tone as far as terms go so we're all on the same page with things. Um, so before we get into the steps of delegation, our experience with it, um, we want to make sure that we're on the same page. So when we talk about profit margins, it's important to just have a general sense of what those are. This is definitely not an episode about your accounting, about your numbers, about figuring out how to optimize your profit margins. We just want to make sure that we have a base understanding of what we're talking about. So um, when we do reference profit margins, we are simply taking the profit divided by our revenue, and that is going to give us our margins. So if we want to just take like a quick example of that, let's say that your gym revenue is $18,000. Let's say your gym expenses are $14,000, you profit $4,000. Using that equation, your profit margins are going to be 22%. That's obviously extremely general. Uh, there's a lot of different ways that places can and do calculate their profit margins. You know, some places, um, you know, the owner is going to be paid a salary, which Again, not a tax episode, but we do recommend that. Uh, we want to You want to make sure you value your time as an owner and that it's pre-tax. Uh, and also some places are obviously, uh, you know, they'll have some, some company expenses, car expenses, things like that, cell phone expenses that are in uh, the gym expenses, and maybe you count those in margins, maybe you don't. So it's not to get into that rabbit hole. We just want to give you a general sense of what we mean when we say profit margins. Uh, anything to add to that? No, um, you know, just to make sure people understand that if the revenue is 18,000, expenses are 14,000, you've got a profit of $4,000, and that is uh, divided by your revenue of $18,000. So that's how you got that 22%. Perfect. Thank you. Um, and also, we're going to talk about tasks and projects a lot today. So we want to define a task as something that needs to be done every week is keeping the business open and successful. Um, that could be something as simple as like your weekly programming or your weekly email directing the staff, um, writing on the website, something that you do every single week that is a task but that is important to the business. And then we want to define a project as something that's designed to grow the gym. So that's maybe a new revenue stream, a new part of the business you're growing. That's kind of big picture, big vision stuff that has that heavy, heavy impact on taking the gym to perhaps another level. So tasks being different than projects in that regard. And yeah, that is pretty much it as far as the intro goes. Um, taking it kind of into the conversation on delegating, I am really excited to talk about this today because um, honestly what I really find when we do these episodes is uh, we obviously make them to help other gyms, um, to promote our podcast, to get people involved with, with what we're doing. But every time we do them, uh, it helps us do a better job of what we're suggesting other people to do. Do you Absolutely. find that? I 100%. Like I, I take notes throughout the episode of like, yeah, we do this, but we could maybe do it a little bit better all the time. Yeah, it's just like everyone is a, is a, it's another lesson for ourselves of like revisiting this 101, practicing what you preach, sitting down to write this. It's like, yes, I'm excited to do this because I'm also excited to kind of uh, reteach myself important things of the business that um, some episodes, you know, maybe we've lost it along the way. Maybe we can do a better job. Maybe we need to reintroduce it. But it's like every time we um, have been consistent in making this podcast, we've run a better operations because we're almost doing this podcast somewhat for ourselves in yeah, a sense. Yeah, 100%. Um, so when we're coming at the perspective of delegating today, uh, I just want to say off the bat, like 
uh, I want people to keep in mind the, pers- the, uh, the perspective of this episode. I would say as someone who delegates over the course of 10 years, I'm extremely subpar at it. And it's <laughs> one of the things that I am actively like really excited about. And we'll save a little bit of that for kind of the end of the episode of different ways that we've like finally quote, you know, like cracked that code to be able to do it in 2021. Um, but I, I've just had a really antiquated view of delegating and um, some things <laughs> I'm much better at delegating than others. Some things I'm absolutely terrible at delegating with. And so, um, you know, I don't want this episode to come across as like, here's delegating advice from, you know, a company or a gym that are experts at delegating. That's a little bit of a different departure from some of our other episodes where I do feel like we're coming at it from that perspective. Mm -hmm. And so this one is more of, this is kind of where we recommend delegating in a general sense. This is how to, to set yourself up to do it. And then also sharing the perspective of like where we've been hung up on things before and where we've kind of screwed up this process in previous years. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the exact same boat as you are, um, you know, as, as a gym owner, you know, for something that you've spent a lot of time building as your own, it is very difficult to give kind of the steering wheel to somebody else in different departments, different tasks and stuff like that. And to be honest, it's terrifying because you know that you can do a really good job at what you're doing and what you've been doing. And so to just hand that off to somebody and say, you need to do a good job and, you know, make sure that it's up to our expectations is, is pretty scary. And it's it's definitely a hard thing to do. Yeah, 100%. All of that totally agreed. And it's also just the aspect of like, you're used to this being your job. So at some point, you know, and that is one of the negatives of having a boss. It's like if each of us had a boss above us, they would come down and say, "What? you're not doing this anymore. Like next month you're getting rid of this to someone, figure out how to do it. Yep. But it's like we've never had that. So we just rely on ourselves deciding to do it and we end up just keeping stuff for, for far too long. So yep. um, yeah, we'll definitely get into all that on this episode as we kind of go through the first phases of this. But um, the perspective of this is going to be um, – you know, we talked a little bit about how we have different jobs within our company and our gym. Um, walking you through this kind of timeline of delegation is going to be from like the archetype of a person who um, is the typical gym owner, somebody who starts out, they coach all the classes, then they coach a little bit less classes, and then they move into whatever role they move into. Um, so it's, it's going to be from the perspective of that like actively engaged uh, front and center owner slash coach, if you will. Yep. Um, so when we talk about delegation, obviously the first stage of it is at some point you have to fire yourself from being a coach. And so it's really important that obviously if you're an owner operator and you're coaching in those first few years, you, you want to be heavy on the schedule. It's important for all the financial reasons because you're, um, keeping your costs somewhat down, um, and you are limiting unnecessary overhead, unnecessary payroll to start. But it's also really important that you establish that cultural dominance, not just like, you know, your presence establishing culture a little bit, but you need to just completely dominate the schedule in a way that is kind of a detriment for a few years later. But to the start, when you're trying to get your gym off the ground, it's just important to establish that culture and that expectation and all those standards of service and how you operate. But at some point, you need to remove yourself from that schedule. It's really, really important 
Um, because, you know, as the owner, it's like if you're so immersed in the day-to-day of the service delivery, it's really hard to objectively view how that service delivery is going because you're just naturally going to be really biased towards thinking that it's amazing no matter what because you're the one who's delivering it. So it's a dangerous place to be because you might not necessarily be able to objectively view how it can be improved or perhaps where it needs to go. And it's also just impossible to scale. You physically cannot scale a gym to kind of the next level if you're coaching all the classes and then, you know, in the downtime or at night going and, you know, answering emails and following up with leads and stuff like that. It's just physically impossible to get to that next phase, which is part of the reason you need to fire yourself from coaching. Yeah. And so we, you know, we put together suggested timelines for this because we wanted to give folks a ballpark. This is going to be totally different for every single gym and every single gym owner. So so please do not take these timelines and these suggestions with profit margins as any sort of hard line indicator. The models make that all drastically different. As we said before, having two people involved is different than one. Um, but typically, we feel that any any gym model should be very profitable and very okay without you on the schedule by, at the very longest, year three. So typically... 20 to 25% profit margin range. If you find that you're, you're continuing to be on the schedule still past that point, then I would be very hard pressed to say that you actually need to be doing that. It's probably something that you like doing. And I think that's a dangerous place to be with your business, doing stuff that you like versus doing things that you absolutely need to be doing. Yeah. I mean, what would you say to somebody that says, I, I love coaching. I want to be on the floor even after that year three, even after they're profitable? It's tough because um, th- that's a great question where we could probably go down like a really, really deep rabbit hole of like, you know, that's going to be a lot of people because yeah. they, they got into owning a gym because they, they really want to be a coach and be a coach long term. And so that's where you have to just like, in my opinion, really stop and ask yourself, what is my broad objective with this business? You know, is yeah. it to be something where you're buying yourself a coaching job? A lot of gym owners buy themselves a job by opening a gym. Yep. So if that's what you want to do, then you're just going to have to come to the realization that maybe you're not going to run the gym as, as well as you possibly could. Translated, said another way, you're not going to make as much money as you could yep. because your focus is going to be on delivering the service and not you're working in the business rather than on the business type stuff. And I know a lot of gym owners, they love coaching because they love helping people and they just say, I want to, you know, help as many people as possible. And, you know, fitness has changed my life, so I want to help change theirs. And if you think about it from that perspective, if you step away from coaching and you work on the business, ultimately you'll be able to help way more people than you could just coaching your classes and, and that being it. Yeah, that's a great that's a great call. It's like it's why we say always protect the profit of the business because without the profit the business doesn't exist and you can't serve anybody. So it's why making money matters not just from a financial perspective but from a purpose perspective as well. Yep. And I don't think it's not to say that you, you know, let let's just say that you want to you're that type of coach who wants to be on the schedule in some regard. I do think there's a way to do it. You know, you can maybe keep yourself on one night a week, but you just need to really, really be careful that your presence is not going to be stifling the development of the rest of the staff. You know, you can really run into that scenario 
um, you know, where it's called icon status, where you, you know, none of your customers or members see anybody else on staff as able to do it like you do because, you know, you're the boss, you're the one at the top. And so everybody else kind of gets judged unfairly against that standard. And you never really let anybody else develop because, you know, your shade is covering their growth type of thing. Huh, I've never heard that. Yeah. Well, it's just like, you know, it's, you just gotta be, gotta be careful with that stuff. Right. Um, otherwise, yeah, otherwise it's just th then that's where you come into a scenario where you can't get off the schedule because everybody is so expectant that you're the one who's always going to be delivering it all the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so in this stage one, firing yourself from coaching, um, there's a few ways to begin transitioning doing this if you're one of those folks who's just not quite sure how to begin. And it's really kind of obvious and not that difficult. The first one is to really just think about slowly reducing your coaching load. So, you know, let's say that you... I'll just use myself, for example, started out coaching 25 to 30 classes a week. Slowly that whittled down over the course of a few years to, you know, that 10 to 15 range. That's when I began to say, okay, this is net. We're now in a great spot where I, I'm no longer needed in this, in this area. And so over the course of a few months, just knock a few classes off your schedule until all of a sudden it's that just kind of like slow fade. You know, people, people don't even really notice that you've come off the schedule because you're doing it in such a gradual way. Yeah. And I also think it's important to set timelines. So if you, you know, if you decide to go this route, set timelines and say, you know, on this date, I'm going to reduce down to these hours on this next date, I'm going to re reduce down to these hours and that'll help you keep yourself accountable because a lot of times if you're like, oh, I'll go down to, you know, 10 a week and then I'll readjust and figure it out, then at some point you're going to be at 10 a week for a long time and then, you know, you're never going to continue this plan forward. Yeah, that's why having a partner can help so much because you have that person to hold you accountable. Like, hey, man, like you said, you were going to be off by then. How are we doing? Like, yep. what, what needs to be done? Why, why aren't you off if things are kind of stalling? Um, and then just being very present in the gym after you're off the schedule, you know, it's like you don't need to disappear from being that presence from being that person who likes to interact with members. If you have a front desk, work the front desk, you know, or go in, just, just be present, be in classes. Um, I think a lot of coaches have that fear of like, if I'm not present all the time, or if I'm not coaching classes, I don't have that ability to like really handle the communication and be involved with, with gym members, but there's absolutely a way to continue to keep doing that. You don't have to use coaching as the vehicle to do that. I would even take that a step further and say, if you are using coaching as your vehicle for that, like communication and community control, then you're probably coaching for the wrong reasons at that point in the business life cycle. Yeah. I would also say that doing that and being very present and taking, you know, these other coaches classes, it shows that you trust in that new coach um, and shows to members that I'm there trusting this coach. So you should too. Absolutely. And I'm going to take a quick lateral tangent. There's nothing <laughs> worse you can do as a boss when you're taking another coach's class than not be visibly engaged with their instruction as a coach. Mm -hmm. Like we've had nothing makes me angrier than when I see a superior in their uh, subordinates class, like on their phone during a walkthrough or shit like that. Yep. Like that's a great way to stifle all the things that we're kind of talking about. Absolutely. 
Um, and as far as how to afford this, you know, that's obviously the big one. Like I want to come off the schedule, but it's just if I do, all payroll is going to have to go up. That's just you. At every phase along these delegations, you're just going to have to accept that there is the chance that short term you make a little bit less money. And we'll go over why that's not scary in just a minute. But the way to kind of prep yourself for that is if you're not paying yourself to coach, start paying yourself certainly before you take yourself off the schedule. Pay yourself whatever that rate would be for what your um, replacement is going to be. And that way you know that you can afford it and you're not lingering on the schedule because it's like you're scared to see that payroll go up like five, six hundred bucks a month. It's already going up and you're a little bit used to seeing that number in your payroll expense. Yep. So as far as what will this return? So what is the benefit of this? At every step of the way, it's always going to be time. It's always going to be um, you working less, which is not about so you can just like kick your feet up on the couch. It's about so you can channel your energy and your workload into those, you know, we talk tasks versus projects. Slowly, slowly removing tasks. Coaching is a task. Slowly removing them so that you can focus on projects. So um, what that's going to do is it's going to drive up your net hourly rate as the owner of the gym. And we'll, we'll get into that in just a minute. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to improve your profit margins. So while your expenses may go up a little bit in the short term with your payroll, because you're now focused on how to improve the product, how to do better marketing, how to onboard people better, all that stuff that we know makes a gym successful, you're able to focus on that, if not exclusively, certainly more than you were because you had 15 hours in the week eaten up by coaching. Yeah, I mean, I think people would be surprised that when you step away from coaching and work on the actual business how much you can accomplish with growth, profit margins, and increasing all those numbers so that you get immediately back to what you were making before while spending less time doing it. Yeah, so let's take a look at one example. Like, let, Let's pretend for a minute that you're a gym owner that makes $60,000 a year, and you're working 80 hours a week to do that. And this is, you're not delegating, you're on the schedule. This is before you've taken this stage one of firing yourself from coaching. You're talking about an hourly rate of $14, which would be close to minimum wage. And nobody wants that. So a lot of times owners are fooled by this number that they make, but they don't realize how much they're actually working to make that amount. And so by taking yourself off the schedule, you've now gotten rid of, say, 20 hours down to 60 hours, and your work is able to keep the same amount of profitability, right? Because your focus has now driven up revenue in the gym. So let's say after all that's said and done, you're now working 60 hours, and let's just pretend you're not even making any more money. It's still 60000 Well, now you've driven up your hourly rate to $19.20. So it's a step in the right direction, and that's what this is all about. This just brought back like terrible memories. Sorry. <laughs> Pers personal story of uh, when I played baseball and I was in the low-level minor leagues just starting out my career. I remember figuring this out, and I was making $2.30 an hour. <laughs> That's just so ridiculous. <laughs> so ridiculous. But honestly, it's a pretty good parallel because it's like you get lost in doing this thing that you want to be doing and doing fulfilling your dream that you – it's hard to realize like, holy shit, I'm working this much. I'm actually not – Not making anything. You know, yeah, I'm not making anything. And gym ownership, like the parallels to gym ownership and uh, – but you know, minor league baseball, I think are very strong because of all the work that you do and just the very little returns in the, certainly on the initial stages of it. Yeah, absolutely. 
And so this is where I want to take a second and just like, you know, kind of zoom out and talk about, we obviously have two, two owners. And when we started, you were, you coached uh, a lot too. It's, uh, it's quite amazing. You are still number three all time in classes coached at the gym. I noticed that last time you sent that out. I know that coaches now, they would be like, what? And uh, yeah, so like you coached a ton to start first couple of years. And you also had the responsibilities of, you know, we'll call it just the giant bucket of customer service. Yep. So why don't you talk about what that did, what you coming off the schedule as the co-owner did to improve that aspect of our business and then the returns that were immediately seen um, because of that? Yeah, I think the big thing is automation, which we had an episode on a couple weeks ago. And, you know, originally I was coaching, me and you were coaching, and I was handling all the customer service. And that just, like you said, that's a big bucket of just dealing with customers, new members, potential members, everyone. So, you know, as we, as we grew, that became more and more difficult from a manual perspective to where, you know, I'm firing off all these emails and, you know, just keeping track of everything manually. And so by be by coming off the schedule, I was able to start putting all these processes in place so that not only was my workload reduced by coming off the schedule, but I was able to reduce the workload as we continued to grow by having this, you know, let's call it a man, uh, automated person running basically everything customer service related. The Pr- Pritz robot? The Pritz robot, yep. <laughs> so it was it was kind of a snowball effect because once I started implementing all these little tasks and automations, it was all of a sudden we can handle as a company so many more members than we could when I was coaching and just doing all that stuff manually. <clears throat> yeah, so like I'll, I'll just I'll paint that in like a little bit of kind of like a storytelling perspective. It's... I imagine so many gym owners will be able to relate to this, but it's like I specifically kind of remember we had that we had a like shitty little desk that was by the front door that was like your nook. It was probably like three feet by one foot wide. Um, and so like you'd get off the schedule, you'd coach, and then it's like, okay, I got two hours for my next block, so now I'm going to run over to the computer and I'm going to answer all these questions from members. So I'm like just going to do enough to stay afloat because that's all the time that I have to do, but I'd never have the time to actually step back and spend the significant amount of time and resources that's needed to improve this because I'm always just keeping up with it. Yep, it was very reactionary. You know, Something would come in, I would react and – you know, respond. And now it's, you can set all these things up to where it's like, okay, let's say somebody reaches out, just an example, somebody reaches out and say they're interested in joining the gym, but they're moving to San Diego in two months. Um, They just wanted to like get some more info. Well, now I'll say first off, previously I would respond to them, tell them about the gym, here's the pricing, all that. And then that was it. And now it's like, I can put stuff in my calendar to follow up two months later so that when that person has moved here, I can reach out to them and be more proactive than just reactive. Perfect. Well said. Um, so as we wrap up kind of this first stage, find yourself from coaching. So let's just say that you've done that. Now what's left for you? So we break this down into kind of those tasks project thing. So direct staff management. You still want to be absolutely involved at this stage. You do not want to come off the schedule to have no involvement with your staff. It's a really important part of the process for how you you slowly and gradually delegate 
Uh, now you're into that managerial role, so you can still be very, very hands-on with your coaches, making sure they're following um, all the all the aspects of your coaching service that you want to be followed. You're still extremely immersed in that aspect of things. And then you're performing tasks that you deem critical, and that's going to be different for each gym owner and their skill set. So I wouldn't necessarily want to tell you as the listener what tasks are critical for your skill set. I'll just tell you that from the perspective of like, uh, us doing this podcast for me, it's always been programming. So that product that's on the floor and for you, it's always been that customer service aspect of things. So those are tasks that we have chosen to keep for, uh, I can now say longer than we've needed to keep, but I'm putting myself in this stage of when this happened. Those are the things that we kind of decided to keep and are appropriate for that time to still keep. And then project development and oversight. So now you've, you know, we, we used your example of perfectly of setting up that automation for customer service. So now you're finally able to step back and be able to develop these bigger scale projects um, that are less task oriented that are going to really move the needle in your business. So all this stuff are the returns that you can expect by simply just coming off the schedule. Stage two. So now a couple years have gone by, you've been managing the staff, the gym is continuing to grow. Let's say your profit margins are now up to like 25, 30%. So let's say you're doing like pretty damn well. At this stage, this is where you want to begin to fire yourself from direct management. So this is um, always kind of a tricky thing because people always want to be hands-on and you want to make sure that you obviously always have a finger on the pulse of things. But as the owner, at some point in the business, you need to be the leader and you need to not be the manager. And those two things are so different. Leadership skills and management skills are two very different things. And you'll, there, there's just going to be a time when you're running the business when those two things are not necessarily best to combine to get the gym in the place where it needs to be. So you want to make sure that you have people in place that you are eyeing throughout all this who you believe can manage the staff, take over other managerial aspects so you can continue to zoom further out, further out, further out, and focus more on projects with things. Yeah, would you go based on just profit margins or are you looking at like a time frame for a lot of this stuff? It just depends. I think saying five years uh, is a is a decent indicator of that. You know, I, I'm always so nervous to give timelines because it, all of a sudden the listener is going to think I'm doing better or worse than that. And I, I have to some extent pulled five years completely out of my ass on that. <laughs> um, but it's just based on like where we've seen it to be kind of appropriate on on our end of things, right? And about where we relinquished control over certain things and and how it benefited us. And I can only say that we're we're in a you know, we're in a pretty good spot as a gym after 10 years. And this just kind of mirrors a little bit of, of how we did it. And that's kind of for your consideration. Yeah. And I would say, you know, yes, that's kind of where we started to do it, but there have been certain, um, certain scenarios where we're on year 10, we're actually coming up on our 10 year anniversary. And, you know, there are still things that we are starting to delegate and starting to get off our plate now that kind of would be considered in that bucket. So, you know, it doesn't have to be five years, you know, that's, that's a great place to shoot for, but you know, it's totally fine if it takes a little bit longer. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, not to get off track of just kind of the linear development of all these stages, but there's going to be times where you have to climb back down or up the ladder, depending on what's Mm -hmm. going on with the gym. You know, COVID is a perfect example. 
we had some staff turnover um, and we had COVID hit at the exact same time. So I was in stage four of, of, of what I'm talking about now. I was in stage four and now I'm kind of back into stage two a little bit. Yeah. I, ha- I have been into management over the last eight, nine months. I can tell you um, I'm completely ill-suited for it. I, I don't want to be doing it. I'm not the best person to do it. And so one of the very f- – <laughs> This is so appropriate for this episode. Like I couldn't fire myself fast enough from this role, <laughs> and t- once we once we found someone who we felt like was going to be an awesome fit, right? So I went from stage four back down to stage two, and immediately my my antenna is up for how quick how quickly can I fire myself from this position? Yep. And so I just I think it's such an important concept to understand. Just because you can do something and you can do it effectively doesn't mean you're the best person for that actual job. And so, you know, the reason you want to do this is if you have good SOPs, standard operating procedures, then you have folks who can take this ball and run with it. You know, hopefully you're hiring good coaches at this point. They've stuck with you around long enough to develop and you've seen signs and leadership and you've seen folks who can handle this role of managing the team. Um, If you continue to linger in it, it's just like coaching. You're now stifling the development of somebody else being able to rise up and take that over. And if you want to develop a sustainable organization and a sustainable culture, it's just really important that when you're working in the business, which is anything that's tasks, management, you just don't linger for too long because then you're just going to smother the development of everybody else underneath you. Yeah, I would say one of the big kind of takeaways from that too is – most people, yes, like salary and how much money they make is important, but what's more important important in most scenarios is the ability for people to see growth, development, and kind of their job um, move into things that they're passionate about. That's way more important to most people than just, here's how much money I pay you. And I'd take that a step further and say that your opinion on that is actually fact. There are There's research after research. Um, with employees and across multiple sectors that prove that to be a fact. They want places where they feel autonomy. They want places where they have control over their day and not just executing, like we said, tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, again, I don't want to go into a tangent, but that's what we're just pumped about uh, to close this episode out in 2021. What we're excited to be doing a lot with key members of the staff and opening up opportunities and giving folks all these opportunities uh, that go hand in hand with the delegation that we're talking about. And so, you know, this is this is a little bit your field with the firing yourself from management. Um, You know, how do you start transitioning out of that specific role? So it's going to operate on the assumption that you have someone in mind who's going to do a really good job. Um, The first and most important thing is you have to have. SOPs, standard operating procedures. If you have not outlined, here's how a class needs to flow. Here's what the closing checklist looks like. Here's what you do when you open the gym. Here's what you do when there's a new trial in the class. Here, you know All the things that are unique to your business, if that's not down on paper, you must get them down on paper. Otherwise, the person who's taking over from you is going to have no idea how you want them to do that job. And there's a very big difference between, yes, people who work jobs, they want to have autonomy over it, but they absolutely want direction as far as how to achieve what the objectives of the position are. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not giving people direction, you're essentially sending them out 
into this job without any sort of clear expectation. You're just saying, okay, go go do this. And there's no exact reference or baseline for how anything should be done. Right. Then you can't judge them on performance, and it's all just kind of this lost, how am I doing, no one really knows type of scenario. People get really intimidated by the thought of creating SOPs, but I promise you they're not difficult. I have a kind of a strict rule where if I can't fit it on one page, then it's not clear enough. And so I'll go back to square one until I can get it on a single page. I like that. It doesn't need to be complicated either. A lot of times folks sit down and start to write this and they almost overcomplicate it because they want it to be like this systemized science. And I was definitely guilty of that when I first got into management about seven years ago is it was just like, do less, do a lot less. Like you don't need to say all this. This is not needed. <laughs> Give people the main principles of what need to be done and they are comp more than competent enough to do it and interpret it and make it successful. Yep. And so, yeah, clear SOPs, clear expectations for the roles. Where I've screwed up a lot in the past is failing to do the expectation portion of it. And I think it was just a failure of also tying in those SOPs um, because it's like you don't want to seem like this overbearing boss. And then it actually takes you a few years to realize, you know what, giving clear direction is actually in everybody's best interest long term. Absolutely. So I can't stress that part enough. And then, yeah, as far as what will this return, you fire yourself from management. Okay, great. How am I now going to be more successful with the gym? How's it going to do better? How's it going to make money? Same concepts as it was in that first stage. You are now going to be removing even more tasks. So scheduling every week, um, managing the staff, going to their classes, observing their classes. Uh, maybe programming is involved with that as well. That is going to free up so much more time to continue to pull down those tasks and increase your time for project development, project oversight, and increasing those revenue streams. So you should absolutely be able to go up another 2 to 5% in your profit margins with your focus now even on more of the business development side and less on the actual service delivery because now you have a manager for that service delivery. Yeah, and the beauty about that is you can start to unload things that you either are not good at or just don't want to do. And, you know, usually when you don't want to do something, you're not that great at it. So, you know, we've talked about this before, but we got lucky when we became business owners together is that we didn't really realize it, but we had totally opposite skill sets and it kind of aligned throughout the development of this business to work out perfectly. Um, but most people don't have that. So when you start hiring other people and start moving people into roles, you really want to start giving them things that you're not very good at so that you can focus on the things that you are really good at. Totally agree. I just want to say, I don't necessarily agree that we have opposite skill sets. I think we have complementary skill sets. Okay. It's like when I think way. of when I think of opposites, I think of like oil and water, like they just don't mix. Yeah. But it's like your perspective and my perspective, they always end up doing like a little dance until it, it you know, uh, it ultimately nets out in the best decision. But we never like clash over that. And I think if we were like total opposites, we would clash. Yeah. But we just have like a little bit of a different perspective. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and, you know, no – no need to go more into that. I actually think we have an episode on that. But I, th I think we do too. Um, so, so in looking at the finances of it, 
we used that kind of math scenario before. So um, you exited the first stage and you were working 60 hours, making $60,000 a year. So now in the second stage, let's say that you, again, keep your same amount of time spent, but that time spent is generated towards growth. Let's say now you're making 80000 Now, all of a sudden, that net effective rate that you're actually earning continuing continues to climb up. So in a sense, what's really occurring is as you fire yourself from these positions, you're actually giving yourself a raise because you're able to focus on jobs and projects that are going to bring in more revenue for the gym to create more opportunity. It's like that rising tides carries all ships. Yep. It's it's a net benefit for everybody that's there and it is a net benefit for you. And it's important to understand that as the owner, that it's absolutely okay to make those decisions that are um, thinking of yourself, because if you're not the one who's taken care of, then you can't be taking care of anybody else. And that's what makes the whole thing go. Yeah. I would real quick. I wanted to run, to go over an example. So, um, you know, this is one thing that we saw a very specific number increase on our business so when we were able when i was able to work on one of the projects that i've worked on um, and that's how to basically increase um, length of membership so at one point we used to have a six-month contract and we changed that to a six-month minimum changed the wording and just kind of set the expectation uh, for members a little bit differently just presented it a little bit differently and our average membership went from about around 12 or 13 months to around 18 and 20 months. So, you know, let's just say an average membership's $100 um, for this example. You multiply that by 12 months, that's $1,200 per member. Um, if you do that by an increase to 18, we're talking about $1,800 per member. So we just upped the average membership value by several hundred dollars by just working on one project to increase membership length. That's outstanding. It's a great example, and it's another, you know, you don't get the time to ever do that if you're still immersed in the actual day-to-day -day tasks. Absolutely not. And I think everybody listening has just that one, you know, that one thing they know in the business that needs to be fixed, but they can never do it. And the answer is focus on it and take yourself away from, from positions in the company where uh, you're no longer needed or you're not best suited for. I also think we, we tend to hang on to roles that we might think we're really good at, but we actually might not be that good at it. And you never actually realize if that's the case until you see somebody else do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that type of thing where it's like you're you're the one who's always done it and the gym has been successful or it's stayed open or you've made it to two years. So therefore you think like I'm really good at it. But you might just be okay at it and you might not be best suited for that. Your real skills and your real talent might lie in something that you need to be focusing even more on with the business. And so the only way to really ever discover that is not – not lingering in these stages like we keep talking about. Mm -hmm. Stage three. So first stage, you fired yourself from coaching. Second stage, you fired yourself from management. In this third stage, this is where you finally fire yourself from all tasks. So these are the week-to-week -week things that you do every single week that at this point have probably become pretty monotonous and you probably don't even realize that you need to that you don't need to be doing them but this is where you want to take all of those off your plate 
And so you're going to seamlessly move into stage four. So this stage three doesn't go on, or th th this point will not carry on for too long. Um, but this is just where you kind of slowly get rid of all that work that can easily be, be handled by one of your managers. And kind of an easy way to think about that is, uh, what, what's the book, E-Myth Revisited, where they yep. talk about working in the business versus on the business? Yep. This is where you want to think about that, where you are now no longer working in the business. Now, after the stage three and you exit to stage four, you're zoomed out and you're only working on the business. So just kind of an important thing to think about. This is where, um, you know, you start to have multiple leaders within your organization, multiple people who are handling oversight of different things. Uh, this is where you might start to have fun programs, secondary revenue streams that different staff members run completely, uh, such as remote training, such as nutrition that we'll get into, um, and where you're really kind of freeing yourself up to manage those people, but not necessarily be involved in those tasks. I just wanted to say that again, um, the E-Myth, the book, if you guys have not read E-Myth, it's like absolute critical to understand what they talk about in there. So definitely grab that book. Yeah, it's been forever since I have read it, but those concepts, like, I, there's probably not a week that goes by where I don't think like, okay, like, is this something that I absolutely need to be doing? Right. Or is this something that I think I'm good at and I'm really okay at? And is this something that somebody else would actually really enjoy doing and it would give them inspiration and motivation, whereas I see it as something I just have to check a box and cross off my list? Yeah, and other people, even if they might not do it better or worse, whatever, they might just have fresh ideas for it. You know, not, not even necessarily doing it better, just like a different approach or a different way of doing it that could be beneficial. And I would just like the more, you know, the more we kind of do this, the more I start to realize like it, it, if you are doing the same thing over and over and it's been like five, six, seven years since you evaluated um, somebody else's ability to do something with it, I, I just like I promise it's not the best version that it could potentially be. Yeah. Because it doesn't mean you have to sacrifice like when you hand something over, you definitely do so with your, you know, your your overarching concepts and principles that have to be followed. Like within the constructs of these laws, I want you to go and do your own thing. And it's like those laws, if you have them in place and they're written it clearly and appropriately, it's going to make it impossible for that person to get it so far off track that it no longer works. Mm -hmm. So they'll be able to then take their autonomy, take their creativity, and because you've already established these things that you know are going to work and that they're going to do, the only thing that they can possibly do is make it better. Yeah. Because it's another person's perspective, another person's ideas to go with the laws that you have put in place for how it should be for how it should be conducted. Yeah, love that. <clears throat> so fire yourself from all tasks. Again, we're going to continue to use this math scenario. Whereas before you're, you were working 60 hours a week, let's just say you were making $80,000. Great yearly income. A lot of people happy with that. But now in this new scenario, this is where you really begin to possibly work less because now you're on these really, really big picture ideas. You're on the development and the oversight of them, not necessarily on all the tasks. So this could be a scenario where you're working now 40 hours. Let's say you're making $100,000 a year. Now, now you're in a position where you really have a sustainable career, uh, a job that works for you and not the other way around, and something to where you can actually really put yourself in a position to be of service and of greater good to everybody who's in the company because you're so 
you're no longer just dying in those weeds every day that you can't zoom out and focus on developing other people as well. And at that point, you know, you're probably looking at the opportunity for other, um, other revenue streams, other locations, even, you know, you can really start to, again, snowball that work that you've put in and really make it grow from there. Absolutely. So now that you've fired yourself from all tasks, you seamlessly enter stage four. This is where you're just focusing on these big picture projects. You have great managers in place. You have people who are overseeing a lot of the important aspects of your business. You're in this position where you can really steer the ship as far as big decisions, big revenue stream items, and roll out certain add-ons to the business that just previously have no way of existing because nobody has any time to be able to do it. And so I, lo- I want to use the analogy of like, you know, in those first few years when you're owning a gym, it's like you're going to a buffet. You have those gigantic plates that they give you at buffets, and you're just going down the line and like you're picking so many things off it, and you're just dumping it onto your plate. You're not even thinking of like, oh my god, this looks amazing. I'm just you're <laughs> dumping shit on there, and then you sit down, and you go to eat it, and the plate is just it's too much. You can't. You got too much on there. There's too much for you to do, too much for you to accomplish. Your kind of stomach were bigger than your eyes. What's the saying? I always screw up these sayings. Something something like that. Eyes are bigger than your stomach. There it is. And so it's like you can't possibly achieve all these things. But now in this stage four, you've got this really small plate. So you're putting one thing on there because it can't fit anything else on there. And you're able to do that one thing extremely well. One thing at a time, you finish that, you go back, you put something else on the plate. You're not trying to juggle all these competing things on your plate and doing, you know, quite frankly, an average job of all of them. You're now doing one thing and you're doing it extremely well. The buffet example really got me because I love buffets and I love a good buffet. I put so much food on there, but then I end up like the best thing on the plate. I eat that, I leave everything else, and I go get more of that one thing. And it's <laughs> a, a it, great analogy. I know, this. I know. It's a great analogy because all that other stuff that I didn't like on the plate is actually all those things that you can't do unless you focus on that one single best thing. Yeah, and so, you know, just to give a couple examples, this is where, you know, this is where, speaking for me personally, like I'm now hustling to get back to. So I mentioned that stage four, this is where I was. Um, really from my position, uh, 2018, our most, our most profitable year to date. Um, that was where I was in this role. And I'm not saying that that's because of that. I'm just saying that you can't ignore that correlation. And I think it's best when, when somebody who is in a position of leadership is in this position and not working on the tasks. Yeah. And so this is where I really hope to get back to in this stage and where I think I'm, I'm pretty close. Um, you know, we've got all sorts of cool things lined up. Like we finally were able to roll out our nutrition program. And so a good example of that is like, uh, because I, I put myself in a position where I, I can roll this out. Uh, I'll, I will co-create the program and put the nuts and bolts in place. But now we have a nutrition coach who is actually running it and managing it. Uh, they get a revenue share of the program. So they feel motivated. They feel inspired. And we can be hands off of it because we're able to create it and put it in place, but we don't have to service it. We don't have to perform the tasks. We have people who are better suited for that who can do a better job with the program. And so, you know, we have things like that too with remote training, um, a couple different couple different aspects and arms of our business that we're hoping to be able to continue to kind of test that concept and give people um, autonomy and ownership over certain things. Yeah, I mean, that's really important. We're, we're, year, we're coming up on year 10, like I mentioned, and we're just getting some of these big 
picture items in place. And I, I know nutrition is a great example because a lot of gyms start out with in-gym training and nutrition like right off the bat. And I don't know the answer. Maybe they do great jobs at, at both. Um, but I would, I would venture to guess that both programs suffer a little bit if, if you start out with trying to do all of that at once. Um, I don't know if the way that we did it is great or not. I know that it's something that we've wanted to do for years and we just finally have been able to implement it this year. So I'm really excited to see how that goes. I totally agree. It's like, I would not do things differently at all. Um, you and I are both very big believers and focus on your core product until it's just absolutely amazing. And it's filled to the brim. Yep. Once that, once that is in place, then offer folks more things. Yep. And, you know, you could knock us for being 10 years slow on that. I would take the other route and say that's probably why we're in a position where we are because we were just relentlessly obsessed with making that group fitness class experience as good as it can be. And now that we're in this position to where people are taking it over, it's just because the core is so intact, it's it puts a lot less pressure on these programs. Absolutely. And that's a really good segue into – Mistakes that we've made with delegating, which I think are going to put a lot of this into perhaps some helpful context. Number one mistake that I know both of us have made, uh, continue to make, and one that I always continue to make. I will are, still make it. Um, what's that? I'll probably still make it even after <laughs> all that. <laughs> yeah, and it's like uh, it's hoarding. It's just hoarding tasks that – you know, we've already alluded to it a few times that you get in your head that you're like the only person who can do this because that's what made you successful. So, of course, nobody else can do it as good as you can when <clears throat> I just think that that's crap and I have to call myself on that all the time to make sure that I don't get stuck into this lane of thinking that I'm the only person who can do something because it's contradictory and it's counter to everything that we're suggesting that people do and everything that we try and do is when we get stuck in this hoarding pattern. But it just shows can, how it's so hard to do it. it. It's very difficult to do. I can. And I can tell you that the number one thing has always been for me programming. I was very, very reluctant to give that up a few years ago. Um, it came back into my lap for the last year and we're fighting a pandemic. We're half outside. We're half inside. There's a ton of different variables that you have to factor in, blah, 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 that everybody is dealing with. And now I'm in that position where I've like kind of finally called my own bullshit on this and been like, you got to give this up. You got to give this up to somebody who's going to be energized by this, excited by it, because you are just checking a box at this point and you no longer enjoy it nearly as much as you used to, which automatically means you're not going to be the best person for it. So that's mm -hmm. when I'm like... Yes, time to do my favorite thing in the world, which is fire the shit out of myself from something. <laughs> and for you, one of the big things we're working on is getting rid of a lot of the customer service stuff. So why don't you talk just your perspective on that and your fears and what you're trying to do and, and all that. Yeah, I mean, I won't go on a tangent of MindBody. Um, I, we will never run commercials for MindBody on this podcast. <laughs> um, they, while they do some very good things, they just are a nightmare. So I always look at that as like, you know, everything, all of the accounts, all of the scheduling stuff, it's run through MindBody as a software. So I always look at it as nobody understands the system like I do. And because it's so complicated and not user friendly at all, that it's going to take longer to teach somebody to do it 
rather than just me doing it myself. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that I'm just like massively guilty of. Um, you know, we, we have a coach, uh, coach Mark, um, who I have started to pass along a lot of my tasks of customer service, account management, um, memberships, trials, all that stuff off to him. And once I started doing that, it was like, wow, he can figure it out. He's a smart guy. Like this is not hard at all. Um, and so I've slowly been handing him off, uh, you know, little things here and there as his time allows and he, he gets good at that stuff. And it's always one of those things that after you do it, you're just like, why did I not do this earlier? Um, <laughs> it's so true. And, you know, going back to that hoarding thing, like I was guilty of that today. Um, you know, Mark hit me up with something that was broken in the gym and I was like, uh, cool, like I'll head over there tomorrow and figure it out. And he was like, okay, you want to just like tell me what I should do to fix it? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, I should. Yeah. So I gave him a few options to look into it. And, um, you know, obviously we'll check back in with him to see how it went. But, um, you know, for me, it, hoarding is, is probably my number one uh, biggest issue. And it just goes in, it, it just goes to support something we talked about earlier for what exhausts you now is going to energize somebody who's never done it before. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to grow and they want to continue moving upward. And while a certain task for you might be something that's downward, it's just because you've been doing it for a decade. For that person, that still represents upward mobility within the company. Really they want to be point. able to take on something else that's new, something that's challenging. Like, yeah, fixing a rower like makes us want to cut our wrists at this point <laughs> in time. But it's like for somebody who, um, you know, I never like using names on this, but like Mark who's doing this job, um, there's all sorts of things that he's just so hungry to do and he wants to do and he wants to grow that we're always like, oh, he's not going to want to do this. Like we don't <laughs> want to give him this job. Like this job sucks, but it's only because we're burnt out from it. Right. And so it's like he's not going to view it through that lens and thus we can't project that lens onto how he might view it. Yeah, I mean he views it as another thing that he learns how to do and you know another task that he can acquire. Definitely. And one other mistake that I am incredibly guilty with is just having an extremely antiquated view of delegating. And so what I mean by that is like, I have all these things that I would love to hire somebody to do. And we've never done it because we have this notion of like, okay, hiring someone to do this means we have to pay them $60,000 a year and they come in and they do this singular job. And it's like, <laughs> I know that we're so late on this, so this isn't meant to be like some sort of breaking revolution to the listeners on, on, on how they can delegate. But it's like you can pay for stuff a la carte with, with really good people. So it's like somebody can be a coach coaching 15, 20 hours um, a week, and you can supplement their earning potential by giving them ownership of something within the company that – it doesn't warrant a full scale like you, you now have to be paid this high wage to do this because it's not going to take you that much time each week. But you can increase your potential by doing this for, say, like an extra like $1,000 a month. You're the person who's in charge of this aspect of the business for, you know, $500 a month. Like here's a really, really small task that you can do. So it's like you can break these down without being this full scale singular in a silo position where it, it adds that extra variable to what they're already doing and serves a, a purpose for the business. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that a la carte style. I mean, that, that goes even with, um, you know, potential outside services. So, you know, the website's a great example. You know, I built the website originally. We both update it. Um, 
you know, there comes a time where you want to build features into it. And yes, I technically could do that, but I'm just like, I don't want to do that. And so you can go to sites and, you know, places to find people who can just do that project for you and they'll do a great job at probably a cheaper price um, than you would do it spending your own time on it. And that's just a one-time thing, outside company, done, move on. So I think that doesn't always have to be like somebody internally as well. Yeah. And I'm just like that. That's one of the things that really excites me the most about where we're heading. 2021 is like we have all these, um, you know, a lot of different coaches and a lot of different team members uh, continuing their very important role as a coach, but they're taking on other aspects of the business that they have complete autonomy with that they can take and run with uh, that really kind of energizes them because just coaching can can get a little monotonous for folks. Yeah. And this also uh, pays them more money, gives them more responsibility. And I, I always hate when the gym feels like in a position where it's like you and me and everybody else. Like I cannot stand that. And crisis mode, COVID mode, we've had to do that to get ourselves back to square one. But now it, it's time to it's time to move out of that phase before that becomes like a long-term thing. Right. So I'm just like stoked to now have like five, six, seven people all with their hands in the business, driving it and making it what we want it to be. I couldn't agree more. Uh, mistake number three, not setting clear enough expectations or being too passive. So uh, this is one that I've definitely been guilty of before, especially when I was a first time manager is like, I want to come across as like cool and I don't want to come across as meddling and what you're doing too much. And all that has done by not being clear up front is forced me to have to, quote, meddle in things down the road because I fucked up at the get-go by not saying, like, here is exactly what you should do with this. Mm -hmm. You can then do what you want within the confines of that, but the confines are locked. You do not have control over that. You have control over the creation of it within these parameters, but here's the parameters. Yep. And so, you know, we, we talked about that before. It's just like the SOPs and um, setting clear communications to everybody. But that part is just extremely, extremely important. We all as human beings do much better with an assignment when there's a clear outcome that you should be reaching with that assignment. Yeah, I would say you mentioned this earlier when we talked about this as well, but the, the recipient of this task, project, whatever you want to call it, appreciates that. They, you know, they don't want, I would imagine they don't want total control with no boundaries, no set expectations at all. They want some sort of direction and then they can take it and run from there. Yeah. And it's, it's just, I've been <clears throat> kind of confronted with this firsthand with, you know, we're bringing on our new director of coaching development. I meet with him every Friday and every, one of the reasons I'm so excited to have him on board is he... He's got tons of experience. He's going to absolutely kill it. But he also has the experience to know that he needs direction. And so it's not about him saying, teach me what I don't know. It's what do you expect out of this so I know that I'm delivering it in my way, but that it supports what the expectation for the position should be. Absolutely. And so it's just going to net out this uh, execution of the position that I'm extremely, extremely excited about because I've, I've just – We've been very clear and direct up front about what the expectations are. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that part's really important. Cool. And then the last one is I, I'm so guilty of this. It's just like viewing everything through that apocalyptic lens, worst case scenario. Like, well, you know, if we spend money on this and we get it off our plates and we assign it to someone who can do better, then, you know, that's going to cost us $2,000 a month to start. 
what happens if like revenue drops or like a bunch of people cancel and like shit just goes totally sideways. Now we've overextended ourselves in the expenses and the gym's going to go out of business. And like, that's not once ever happened, right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like 10 years in, it's still just so impossible to shake that lens of like, um, it's just that like samurai mentality of like live every day. Like you're going to die on that day. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's kind of an unhealthy place to live in <laughs> if you don't ever really just trust that the business is going to be okay and trust that the people who you're giving tasks to are, are going to do a great job of doing it if you're doing all the things that we've outlined. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so those are my big mistakes. I don't know if you have anything to add on top of that. Not uh, specific mistakes or anything like that. Um, I'm pretty much perfect in everything that I do. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, I w- actually, on the apoc- apocalyptic lens... Um, I totally agree with you. However, I don't think it's bad to plan for potential bad scenarios. So if you're working on a project or you're working on a major operational change or whatever it is, I don't think it's bad to set, you know, spend some time and project out potential outcomes of that if it were to go not as planned and have certain steps in place to say like, okay, if this happens, here's what we're going to do to fix it in that scenario. Great call. Good stuff. That's it. Is that a wrap? That's a wrap. I don't have any other good movies or quotes or anything like that. No Batman references. That was a killer reference though. Not for this one. And just a great, you were spot on with it. I listened to that podcast, to that episode the other day. Uh, to make sure, obviously, the new sound came out right. And I was like, that's, damn, man, it's powerful stuff. I'm a one-and-done kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like George Costanza, leave on the high point, exactly. never come back. Awesome. Uh, all right, guys, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you next time. Goodbye.